and welcome back to Beauty from the Heart. I'm your host, Rose Gallagher, and each week I'm talking to different people from within the beauty industry and beyond about all kinds of positive changes coming from beauty. Today, I'm so excited to introduce you to one of my good friends, Laura Capon. She's the Deputy Beauty Editor at Cosmopolitan Magazine. Here she is, Laura, thank you so much for joining me. I was trying so hard not to laugh throughout that, but didn't want to spoil my big reveal. (laughs) But honestly, I'm so excited to be on your podcast. What an honour. Well, to be honest, I am so excited to have you on because there's a few podcasts that I'm absolutely mad about. And I kind of, rather than listening to loads of podcasts, I listen to a few religiously. And one of them is the Cosmopolitan on the line because I just think that is hysterical. Um, Rose, can I just stretch you there? It's um, all the way with God, get it right. (laughs) What did I, on the line? Do you know why I said on the line? Because I've written in my notes here, make sure I say that we're on the line and that no one thinks that we are together because we're in our separate (laughs) living rooms but as a result of that I seem to have completely messed up the name of the one podcast (laughs) I've professed to listen to religiously which is true I promise (laughs) so um do you want me just to like talk about what I do yes please so um I write um beauty content for the magazine and the website Cosmo I absolutely love my job um I also do the um podcast on the side with Paisley Gilmore and it's a sex and relationships podcast and basically my role I'm not a super kinky person Paisley is um my, <laughs> my kind of role on that podcast is to be um like the every girl because I'm the one that's always like you had an orgasmic massage what um so yeah do beauty do some sex <laughs> only on the podcast um and I am just a makeup beauty addict which is how I discovered Rose actually let's definitely drop in here the stint that you had on this morning because oh please do (laughs) one of the things that everyone does know and love you for is the empties videos which I think we should just quickly touch on here so yes I've been doing my beauty empties and replacements for I mean probably literally years now to my um thousand followers when I first started on Instagram um and I basically just do like reviews I'm quite honest sometimes to my detriment about what I've used up and what I've replaced it with because um a fun fact I get as much of a thrill from using up a product as I do from buying one um I don't know why it's my sick fetish um <laughs> and then somehow through some absolute I don't know, miracle. Um, I was invited on this morning to do it live um, with Holly and Phil, which was as stressful as it sounds. (laughs) However, I would really return to this moment to say I felt like they were buzzing off that Holly in particular seemed very enamored by the whole thing and this is from someone who I love this morning the one thing about the lockdown has been at least I can watch this morning every single day whether it's Phil and Holly whether it's Ruth and Eamon I'm here for it and as someone that is glued to them at all times they were buzzing off that segment I'm so glad you said that. But products aside, jobs aside, 
what are we actually here for today? While we are all locked down and at home and just trying to find things to boost our mood and keep busy, I got to thinking of like all of the amazing movie beauty moments and then we started having a bit of a voice note about it and it just unfolded and so today I just thought let's delve into some of our favourite film moments of all time, revisit them and maybe give each other a bit of lockdown film inspo. So tiny bit of background here as well. Before I fell into beauty writing, I wanted to be a makeup artist on film sets. Really? Yeah. So I did um, a course, theatrical media makeup. Um, If you saw my portfolio, you would understand why that didn't work out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Genuinely, the London College of Fashion did not accept me and Cosmo did, thank God. Um, So I've always loved even for when I'm younger, like I'm watching a film, but I'm like, what lipstick is that? So I kind of love that you're equally obsessed. Well, it's funny you should say that. I always say that if I was in another industry, I'd love to work in the film industry. I've always loved films and TV series, don't get me wrong. I find them so comforting. And even the other night, I was having a bit of a dip day. And for me, the film I will always turn to in that moment is Notting Hill. And it just brings me so much comfort. It's like revisiting an old friend. I know exactly what you mean by those films that you just watch over and over again. And Julia Roberts in that film is just... I mean, Julia Roberts is one of my most beautiful um, women. Um, Her mouth, I am desperate for her mouth. Um, I know that sounds (laughs) weird, but um, her hair, like, oh, just everything. I think that Julia Roberts is one of those people in films where her beauty choices really kind of define her so like pretty woman we first meet her she's got that really short slick blonde wig the next thing she takes it off and she's got that long red hair um in Notting Hill she kind of has all of those prim up do's when she's the movie star and it's always a bit more loose when she's with Hugh Grant I just think she's one of the most iconic actresses and she's not as known in these other ones but I love it in like Erin Brockovich when her hair's just wild and curly <gasps> I love Erin Brockovich and also in my personal favourite um, my best friend's wedding she has like super curly yes. hair and as she kind of gets more frantic I feel like her curls get a slightly <laughs> more frantic as the time goes yeah. on <laughs> Actually, I'd forgotten about Erin Brockovich. Erin Brockovich is one of my favourite uplifting films as well. I watched it the other day um, during this lockdown purely for that. I was like, I just want to go into an office and be sassy and demand a job, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Don't you find sometimes when you've watched a film, you get so into it that you're just like, hang on a minute. This this was my calling. I remember watching The Good Wife. I don't know if you ever watched I've never that. Seen that. Oh, and literally, I I'm fairly certain I actually applied for a law conversion <laughs> course. Like that is how much this got under my skin. I'm still on mailing lists that I don't know how to get rid of. It honestly, it did something to me. That's a bit like I was really addicted to Twilight New Moon. Ended up going on a holiday to Canada <laughs> because I was so addicted. <laughs> Did you really? Did you go to all the places? It's all like foresty, but I was so obsessed with like that new moon color palette, and I'd gone through a breakup then, so I really, I was really channeling that film, and just, I just wanted warm tones and. God, my own version of Jacob. Honestly, I was obsessed. I remember I really wanted her Jan Sport rucksack. Um, Couldn't find it. (laughs) 
I am a huge fan of the Twilight films. Can I just briefly divert and tell you the funniest Twilight analogy I've ever heard? Yes. So I work with It Cosmetics as their brand ambassador. And the kind of hero product is CC cream and it comes in a number of different finishes. And I remember the trainer, Amanda, who has also done an episode of the podcast. It's a lovely episode. She told me that she tells people if they're like, what is the main difference between the original CC cream and the sparkly? She says the original is Edward Cullen in the dark (laughs) and the illumination is Edward Cullen in the light. And I always want to be him in the light. It's a good way of describing it. Exactly. You know exactly what she means. Um, I don't know if you remember, but Twilight, they actually had their own makeup range. And I did have some of that as well. (laughs) What was that like? There was a lip stain, a red lip stain, because of course there was. Um, There was actually this really good, the palettes were literally the size of your credit card. They were so tiny and cheap, but they actually... I think because they were warm toned and I was in this obsession, they were just perfect for me. Do you know what? I did a clear out and I found the entire Pulp Fiction Urban Decay makeup collection in there. Oh my God, Uma Thurman. Uma Thurman. Chanel Rouge Noir. Is that what she wore? That was her nail polish. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, honestly, I'm telling you, there used to be a website called Makeup 411. And you're like, you're slowly unraveling about how obsessed you are. And you could search, <laughs> um, you could search films and TV shows and it would basically have the makeup artist breakdown on there. doesn't exist anymore. But um, I think that's a classic magazine thing where it's always like Uma Thurman's Pulp Fiction nail colour. Again, I just think Uma Thurman in that black barb. You've never in another film seen her looking like that. It's just like a moment in time, isn't it? Like you could immediately like, I guess it's like if a film you can turn into a fancy dress character and you could easily be her. I mean, at my Halloween party, um, (laughs) there was two, I think there was three (laughs) Uma Thurmans. And if you think that's how many years later? Yeah, it's such an iconic one actually for fancy dress because you just know it straight away. My favourite part of movie makeup though is is the makeover scene we'll 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 touch on some points because there's also some incredibly problematic points that I realize have probably messed me up but oh my god I mean where do we start right let's start with the positives of the movie makeover scene first of all I would point out this tends to happen in one of my favorite genres of film which is a classic high school romance I absolutely love films set in an American high school it was my dream to go to an American high school and I'll always be furious it never happened I think we should start with she's all that That for me is, come on, Huns, you've literally taken her glasses off and she's had a makeover. She did have a few um, eyebrows tweezed. We're talking about Lainey Boggs here. Um, Yes, yes. I just love her whole, because the thing is, she was so cool to begin with. She was way too, I can't remember Freddie Prince's name. Oh, that's going to really bug me. Um, But she was way too cool for him. And then... She was that artist, you know, painting in her her basement because her mum had died and she was furious. And then it was all like part of a a prank, wasn't it? Not a prank, a bet. Yeah. I was a bet. I'll start quoting it now. Um, (laughs) But she puts on that, you know, that red dress. Yes. I think she has a haircut as well, doesn't she? Or not? Do you know what? I haven't seen this one in a little while, so I need to go back to it. But when you're saying all of this, it's ringing a bell. I definitely remember the red dress. The standout scene for me is that one with the juggling balls. (laughs) (laughs) Don't let it drop. He's called Zach. Don't let it drop, Zach. Don't let it drop. Everybody's watching you. Everybody's counting on you. (laughs) 
that for me is the the kind of standout memory from she's all that which was probably not their intention because yeah she was like into performance art and he was like that classic all-american jock his bedroom was covered in like plaid and wood and his dad wanted him to go to like to do sports Harvard yeah and he just was like no I want after doing that one performance <laughs> with a hacky sack it's like I'm going to art school dad <laughs> um but I, yeah I think she does cut her hair because I remember she comes down the stairs doesn't she to um is it sixpence on the richer kiss me I think that's what oh, she comes I down love to that song. and you see him look at her and honest to god I'm am I 32 I'm 32 I've been waiting 32 years for someone to look at me the way he looks at her that song is so iconic in the kind of teen genre another moment that that has reminded me of um I don't know exactly when it was used but it was on the Dawson's Creek soundtrack I've just remembered a very iconic makeover did you watch it to see when Joey enters the beauty pageant yes And it was like, oh, now that she's got a bit of makeup on and, you know, a pair of earrings, Dawson's looking at her funny. (laughs) Because she was so beautiful anyway, like such a natural beauty. But it's always that thing that I think because she was a brunette, we'll we'll touch on this, but I do think brunettes weren't, well, they were never the main squeeze. It's funny you should say that, actually, because one of the people I wanted to bring up who, for me, was like one of the most iconic castings So I was, I mean, I still am, but I was obsessed with Mean Girls. (laughs) I remember getting it on DVD and every single day for two solid weeks when I first got it, I watched it after school every day. Um, But I still watch it all the time now. And I just find it so fascinating that Regina with the long blonde hair and like this perfect Barbie cookie cutter... I always forget that it's Rachel McAdams because it's so not Rachel McAdams I know, and I, that it blows my mind. And I feel like Rachel McAdams, I think she just looks so beautiful in like, have you seen Spotlight and she's got like no makeup, short hair? I remember watching a behind the scenes thing about Mean Girls and the director said we needed someone so nice to play that character because you almost needed this incredibly nice person to get how awful Regina was. <laughs> and I thought, isn't that so lovely? I wonder if it is still like that in um, high school, though, because she is such a definition of like when I went to high school of like that was what the popular girls like looked like. I'd love to think that has like changed. It would be interesting, actually, to ask maybe a teacher what it's like but I can imagine all of those things are just 10 times worse now that everyone has social media and phones and knows how to do their makeup yeah so what is your favorite um mean girls look oh it's got to be Regina's mom in the velour tracksuit <laughs> blow dry fab like that is the most iconic fair, look that's what I imagine you've looked like this entire lockdown period um it has been an extensive period of sports looks i'm not gonna lie to you i say looks there's nothing looks about it i'm actually currently in a pair of black leggings and a gray t-shirt which is quite special because usually i've been in head to toe black clothes so that you can't tell quite frankly how many days they've been on repeat (laughs) i've had to throw away my black leggings because um they did that thing where they get the hole in the thigh from um too much walking yeah, so great. We've all been there. If Mean Girls is your favourite, my favourite has to be Legally Blonde. 
I could mark my life by stages. And um, so obviously there was later in life, there was a new moon stage, but I definitely had an <laughs> Elwood's phase and I didn't have the Tiffany um, jewelry, but I did have the Playboy version. So Fantastic. instead of the lovely Tiffany heart, um, ever classic, it was a little Playboy bunny head that did like go brown and green. <laughs> she doesn't have a makeover, does she? But she has, it's that intro. I honestly can remember it. I could probably reenact it for you now. And it's like, I would like that. I would like Sun's that. Up. It's a little after 12. <laughs> That's the song that plays. <laughs> um, and she's like at her um, dressing table. I would pause my DVD and like write down what was on there. And also now that I know films and I'm a bit older, I understand now they're all like product placements. But at the time I was like, no, yeah. this is what I need to be L words. What are they? So there was um, a Claire all like um, box dye blonde. There was OPI nail polishes and she's got this um, French manicure, which, by the way, is back the French manicure. Really? I've been seeing a lot of French manicure with like pastel tips as opposed to white. Yeah. And the white is back. We're just back in the noughties, which um, personally I'm loving. Yeah, same. She has this Clinique blusher, which no shade to Clinique, but there's no way she was using that blusher with the brush it came with. Um, and do you, <laughs> do you remember that Clinique? Um, I don't know if they still do it, but they had like green marbly packaging the outside. I do remember compact. that packaging on Clinique. And then she kind of like brushes her hair with um, what I assume was a bristle ball brush. Um, <laughs> but I was just obsessed and I remember I had this little um Clinique eyeshadow and it was like in silver packaging and it had like you pulled it out like a drawer and it was like two kind of lilac-y shades because I must have I must have kind of tried to color match them to her eyes I mean I just think she just looks incredible I mean I have a lot of love for Reese Witherspoon and I think you are right. There is definitely some kind of cult fascination with the iconic blonde. Like if you think of Cher in Clueless, yes. search the iconic blonde. And I actually thought it was lovely how you had Cher and Dion yeah. with these two completely different aesthetics that were both kind of the dream. And then even when they made over Ty, they dyed her hair red and left it curly. And they were definitely onto something that they kind of pointed out. There were lots of different types of beautiful. Even Amber, who was really beautiful, had her long red hair. That's so true because it could have been, I hadn't even thought of it like that, but they could have so easily just uh, made Ty like blonde. And because that was normally yeah. always a thing, is that they go from like a dowdy, I'm using quote marks, a dowdy brunette to some slamming blonde. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, another one, uh, Never Been Kissed. Poor Josie. I can't, I can't even think about that poor girl. I relate to Josie Grossi like now, to be honest. You know, like when she's doing that thing and she's like embroiders all her cushions and she basically feeds her tortoise and she's just, it just shows that she has nothing left to do in her house. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> <laughs> The only thing that's missing is is a man, a partner. Yeah. A tortoise. <laughs> Drew Barrymore as well, if we're going to circle back round to all of these actresses, had a very iconic A, Halloween character and B, beauty look at the beginning of Scream. Do you know, do you know that I went um, dressed as her for Halloween once? I did Casey Becker. I used to be like a proper HMV 3 for 20 DVD <laughs> that, that was the same as it's me. Flooding back. That is exactly 
It's all for I went back. as that. I had the blonde bob with the fringe. Um, I had the creamy kind of um, knitted jumper and I had the popcorn and the white phone. Did you have a huge phone? Yeah. Yes. I remember I was so jealous we didn't have that phone in our house growing up. I mean, I'm really having a laugh to myself here that there's me thinking, oh, I wonder if Laura would like to talk about <laughs> films with me. <laughs> I'll turn off my microphone, shall I? <laughs> I'll hand it over to you. <laughs> Um, but her blonde bob yeah because I guess it made her look she didn't have a bob before that did she she looked completely different for that film are we on about Scream now yeah yeah that I think because it was such a it wasn't a normal American blonde either it was like a harsh box dye strong blonde it was almost not the girl next door it was again a Numa Thurman yeah Oh, maybe. It's so strong because so that you don't think she's going to die. You think she's like... The protagonist. Yeah, there we go. Speaking of kind of strong moments, I will never forget makeover moments. Obviously, one of the most iconic montages is in The Devil Wears Prada when we have Andy you know, becoming her best version of herself to the soundtrack of Vogue, which was very well done. Every time she passes a new car, she's got a new outfit on. I'm loving it. However, I would argue that the most prolific makeover or make under in that film i remember going to watch it in the cinema and there's that scene where uh, she has to go to meryl streep's house to pick up the book and meryl's like i can hear you you can come in and then we go into her and she's got no makeup on and i remember the whole cinema gasped because none of us were expecting it and it was so funny but like that little gesture was their way of saying oh meryl streep's in a bad place today she ain't got any makeup on (laughs) so offensive when you think about it in some ways but i guess it's like an is it it's an easy way of showing like she, yeah she just could not be bothered she's got bigger things to deal with exactly and i suppose all of these things are like instant judgments that help us to make up our minds about the character this has actually just reminded me my dissertation at uni i did it on uh sumptuary laws which in shakespearean times you were only allowed to wear certain colours and textures and things based on your status. I never knew that. That's fascinating. Yeah. So like you had to, if you were really wealthy, you were allowed to wear purple, for example. Oh, so that's why it's such a royal colour. Yes, yes. And so if you ever went to watch a Shakespeare play, before anyone's opened their mouth or anything, you already know loads about their status from what they look like, partly because of those sumptuary laws. That is genuinely so interesting. Isn't it? And like that was a thing, obviously it was great for the theatre, but that was just a general culture thing. But one of the examples actually that I really wanted to bring up, uh, this was actually a HMV bargain bag find i'll never forget it have you ever seen eternal sunshine of the spotless mind of course i have that is one of my favorite films of all time and i have never seen kate winslet or jim carrey like that in any other film i mean kate winslet goes through every hair color under the sun in that film and i just thought it was such a simple and lovely way of explaining how carefree her character was have you gone through the crazy hair color phase 
I experimented with some pink at the bottom. However, I used to literally bleach my hair from root to tip when I was going through my Gwen Stefani phase. Um, you couldn't see where my scalp <laughs> ended and the hair began. And it truly, I look back on pictures and it looked truly is it skin, awful. Is it hair? And throw the rosacea into the mix and the skin is raw. So oh. there was... <laughs> There was a lot going on. There really was. Um, because I remember the eternal sunshine. I used to really wish I was kind of as carefree as her. Because I think that's how you got it from her hair. You know, it was orange and it was blue. And I remember like growing up, I never went, I think being dark haired makes it harder to go to those like really bright colours. But yeah. I used to do um, Schwarzkopf blue black. So it was like a basically a black hair dye, but in the light, you'd have like a blue tinge to it. But it's funny. I remember doing that as like a teenager and feeling really, really cool. And then in my like early 20s, like mid to early 20s, I had a bit of like, um, I mean, a breakdown is dramatic, but you know, you just go through like have a breakup. You, I was in a job I didn't like. And I remember I tried to go back to dyeing my hair because it's such an easy fix, isn't it? You think like, oh, I'll dye my hair. And I tried to go back to yeah. those colours and it just, I felt like such a fraud. You know, it's like, I'm not this person, really. That's the thing. It's so true that changing your hair can really instantly change your mood. Yeah, because it just makes you feel like a different person. Another hair one, and um, you brought this one up, um, Baby's Hair and Dirty Dancing. Baby's Hair and Dirty Dancing, which was untouched and natural and fresh and innocent as Baby's pure soul. I never realised it. I watched actually the other day um, and... It was only when you made that observation that I was like, actually, yeah, because the others have kind of like cooler hairstyles. Because is it set in the 60s? Yeah, it's set in the 60s. So bit of background. Dirty Dancing is one of my favourite films of all time. And we used to have it on VHS. So I used to watch it over and over and over. I watched recently, there's a series on Netflix. I think it's called How We Made This or something. And there is a whole episode about how they made Dirty Dancing. It's fascinating and long story short they were going to make this summer camp love story and no one was picking it up and then this guy who had the power to make it happen was literally looking on a scrap pile of stories that were going to be binned and he was like oh my god I used to go to a summer camp every year and that's how it was made while we're getting um, emotional can we touch on what I think is the bad side of the movie makeover so I'm going to talk about the good and the bad um, made in Manhattan, which is one of my yes. all time favorites. Who yes. can forget that pink dress that Marissa wears, um, that makeup. And I remember going to Space NK on the King's Road and I wasn't very old um, and just going to buy that blush thinking it would kind of turn me into Jennifer Lopez. So my problem with the movie makeover and where I think it has ruined my life is that I'm still and always have been waiting for my own <laughs> movie makeover. So I think always in these films, like if you take, before they have the makeover, so like Josie Grossi, Marissa the Maid, it's like their life is like, it's not great, right? I think we can agree. Yeah. It's never like great, and they're always, they're dreamers, you know? And then the problem is they get this makeover, and then their life kind of, they get their dream life. And I think, if I'm like really honest, I still that's still thinking that I still have now I think like oh if I just get that <laughs> lipstick everything will be fine <laughs> which is such um just nonsense and I actually think you're not alone with that and I think that's why 
the likes of social media, for example, can get a bad rep because let's just say, for example, you have all of these people on Instagram talking about makeup all the time. And it can be so easy to have bought into that person's entire lifestyle and think, oh, if I just get this one thing, I'm going to be like them. And it's just not how it happens. And I think, unfortunately, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because how it's depicted in the films is just that this person has been arguably changed to be more attractive. And now it's always, it's never that they are just more attractive and that's the end of that. It's always, oh, you're more attractive. Now someone has fallen in love with you and now everything is better because you've fallen in love. But I don't think they ever pay tribute, which is something I think is true to the fact that if you do have those nice changes for yourself, that can improve the way you feel about yourself, which can then potentially mean you've got the balls to go for a job you wouldn't have gone for or ask someone out that you've been half thinking about or take the trip of a lifetime. Do you know? But And I do think there's something true in that, that that can happen when people find the right choices for themselves. But we never see that. We just see, oh, dyed your hair blonde, have you? Now you're going to get married. (laughs) And also, I guess on the other flip side, it's also kind of why I fell in love with makeup so much. Because like Tate Made in Manhattan, I remember I really wanted like my own version of that pink dress for my um, school prom. And I've always been bigger. I remember I did have a dress, but it was too small, thinking that I might lose weight and fit it. That never happened, um, dear listener. Um, But I could do her makeup. And that's the thing. I I do feel that makeup, whereas I think fashion, it does um, like single people out and it does exclude people. But I think beauty, especially now, is so much more inclusive. And that's why I love it. Like I could never have her dress. There's certain shops I could never like shop in, but I can always get that lipstick get that eyeshadow get that blush um and that's why I love it because it's so I think makeup is really transformative and when I do my makeup and do different things like in my new moon phase where I wore nothing but um Charlotte Tilbury walk of shame like it makes me feel like a different person and like you say it can't I like having that like shift in your character I completely agree. I've never been the most body confident person. The truth is with fashion, some things are designed that they're going to look nicer on a smaller size or heaven forbid, you're not a size 12 and you try and shop on the high street because actually it's actually quite challenging. Whereas makeup, first of all, everybody can enjoy whatever experiments and choices they want to make. But also from a fashion perspective, you know, am I going to have, a Chanel gown anytime soon no but can I go and buy a Chanel lipstick and I think that for anyone that has an interest in luxury it's also a lovely way that we can all be part of that luxury conversation if we want to be um talking of lipstick we haven't spoken about my favorite ever lipstick which I've never ever managed to track down which is um the notebook her lipstick in the notebook it is I would describe it as like a strawberry blonde. It's matte. I used to go on Makeup 411 all the time and the, they listed a lipstick and I knew it wasn't the right one. Sometimes also, because I think they can change the colour in the film. The one it said was like a rosewood. Uh. I was like, it's not a rosewood. It's like, it's almost a ready... Honestly, that is my dream. If I could tattoo my lips with that, I would. (laughs) It's just so striking as well, I think. When you said that to me, I knew exactly the lipstick you meant because she's so natural and fresh and 
youthful and pretty in that film she isn't wearing loads of other things to contend with and she just lets that one thing have its moment and it's so so striking and also it's probably that thing on set that they um just mix together loads of different colors yeah. to make like Ali's dream color but again in my head I was always like I'll get that lipstick I'll get my own Noah yeah I'll find someone that will build me a house <laughs> Yeah, right. We still will. We still will. <laughs> Do you know what, though? I have so much respect and admiration for anyone that does film and TV makeup because the level of continuity must just be carnage. Like, for example, I've just thought of him off the top of my head. Can you imagine trying to get Harry Potter's scar in the exact same place every single time? Can you imagine getting Voldemort's face exactly the same every single time? Because I think that is the thing, though, like makeup artists on film and TV. It's a really hard job. I um, interviewed V. Neal, Hollywood legend. She's done Edward Scissorhands. Oh, I love that. One of my faves. Batman. Um, I interviewed her last year in LA. Honestly, it was incredible. She was talking about her set days. If you think, especially for like that transformative makeup, she was like, if they need to start filming at seven or whatever, she was like, you need to be on set at like 1am. Um, and like they're oh honestly, gosh. their days are so long. And I was asking about her, like her social media because she doesn't really post stuff. And she's like, well, you're not allowed your phone because obviously it's all secret as well. So the only pictures they can take are like for um, continuity. But um, I think that's the thing in our heads. We think, oh, my God, the dream job, but really like backbreaking work. I always think it must be so hard if you're doing the same thing every day to remain focused and remain alert. It's not like every day you're going, okay, we're going to do a blue eyeshadow and tomorrow we're going to do yellow and the next day we're going to do a smoky eye. Like you literally have to put the same freckle in the same place. And that level of patience, yeah. I think, <laughs> takes more strength than anything else that could be thrown at you. Let's just say I fully understand why London College of Fashion rejected my application <laughs> and there is no bad blood <laughs> no no what is your favorite film of all time laura it's the wizard of oz tied with jaws oh two fantastic choices and two fantastic soundtracks I, I mean i listen to them both a lot um but they're just films that i've watched since i was little and i could probably watch every single day like i honestly gets to the point my dad's like you're watching jaws again like yeah shut the door <laughs> Um, but Wizard of Oz, her makeup as well. She has the kind of red flush cheeks, the red yes. lip. Um, I know you love the witches. Yes. And just the whole, did you ever watch Wicked, the musical? Oh, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I never thought of that poor witch's story and like, why does she have to be green? And why is everyone judging her just because she's green? I know. Like you go girl, you look nice too. You don't have to not be green to be nice. <laughs> You should do PR for the Hulk. <laughs> Who would play you in a movie of your life? This was hard, but I think probably Beanie Feldstein. She was in like Booksmart. Um, she's in Ladybird. <gasps> I really like her. Um, which character, if you had been able to play someone and like have that part, who do you wish that would have been you and you got to do that? Okay, I, again, this was a really hard one and it's um, a bit random, but Jodie Foster in Silence of the Lambs because... <gasps> That's a fantastic one. She is such a badass. Um, and yeah. I just love her, like, can we call it banter with Hannibal Lecter? <laughs> <laughs> 
um, the bants the two of them have, I think, would be so funny um, to film. <laughs> Especially if you follow him on Instagram now, Anthony Hopkins, and knowing what if he's like that in real life, that honestly, I mean, this is this is taking turns. I couldn't have expected in my wildest <laughs> dream. <laughs> okay, coming back to what people will know and love you for your connection to the beauty industry. One of the things I love talking about to any guest on the podcast is who do we think is doing nice things in the beauty industry? So who do you think is really inspiring some positive change at the moment? So I'm going to say Estee Lauder. I feel like in beauty, uh, like we were saying, beauty should be really inclusive. But for a long time, I feel like you never really see like a plus size model in a beauty campaign, whereas fashion has moved in that way. Um, but Clinique did a whole campaign with Callie Thorpe um, and Estee Lauder, I just saw um, Sophia, who's an ASOS Curve model, just did one for their Double Wear Foundation. So I honestly love that. And I just think, to me, that's huge. Um, and from a brand like Estee Lauder, which is such a... A trailblazer. And hopefully that kind of sends like a massive um, message to the wider industry. We actually um, had Callie on the podcast before. It was a really lovely episode. And I just think she looked incredible in that campaign as well. Yeah. Like even just everything about her, she's such a, a great positive energy and she always makes me laugh. I always look forward to seeing her. She's so beautiful. It just generally was a gorgeous campaign. Yeah. No matter what size she is or isn't, she absolutely knows it she looked wicked I remember speaking to um Felicity Hayward we were talking about the Cosmopolitan blog awards last year and she had been shortlisted in the best fashion influencer category and she said do you know what's so nice she said I haven't been shortlisted in a plus size category she was like I'm just being recognized as someone that enjoys fashion and she was like how lovely that I'm just here in my own fashion right exactly and honestly that's something at Cosmo I used to do beauty and fashion and I started like a whole curve section online and it's such a thing to be recognized not just you know for being plus size and just not having that like tag in front of it um and I absolutely adore Felicity yeah me too she's such a lovely girl one last question Laura what do you want to see next from the beauty industry so I think during this whole awful time of the virus and lockdown, I think I feel so proud to be part of the beauty industry because all the charitable stuff, um, all the brands and individuals are doing, I honestly think is just incredible. Um, And I really hope that continues. I feel like there's a real sense of community in beauty at the moment and you know even from like just giving samples to NHS and obviously all the beauty banks and I think it's just shown what we can kind of come together and do. Do you know what? I completely agree. And for anyone listening, I'm so glad that you mentioned the beauty banks. We actually spoke to Sally in the very first episode of this podcast about the beauty banks and what she has done, her and Joe and Lauren working so hard to get, you know, really essential hygiene supplies to people that need them. And I really hope that continues as well. And it's just so lovely to see all of these stories evolve into even better and nicer things in the midst of such a horrible time. But Laura, this has been an absolute scream. Where can someone find you if they want to get in touch and have a chat when you're not on this morning? (laughs) Or when I'm not watching a film. Um, so my Instagram um, is at Laura Capon, L-A-U-C-A-P-O-N. 
Don't you forget it. Um, and you can find me on Cosmo online. I've had the time of my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head. I've had the time of my life. And do you know what, Laura? I owe it all to you. <laughs> so on that note, before we embarrass ourselves further... I'm going to bid us farewell and thank you so much for joining us. Honestly, thank you. I've, I was get, <laughs> about to repeat my joke, but just, just turn me off now. Just turn me off. <laughs> Bye, Laura. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. And I'd really love to hear from you if you listened or if you watch any of those films. So please feel free to reach out. I'm at Rose Gallagher on Instagram. And I've left a note in the show notes of all of the films and TV programs we've discussed. So if you want to find any more information, just have a look there. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you next time. Bye.